0: Just roll me up and smoke me when I die Roll me up and smoke me when I die And if anyone don't like it, just look them in the eye I didn't come here and I ain't leaving So don't sit around and cry Just roll me up and smoke me when I die
1: Season five, episode seven. Welcome in, folks. This is season five, episode seven. Um, we want to thank the craziest duet in music <laughs> history for bringing us in today. Um, I listened to it in the car today. It is Willie Nelson and Snoop Dogg. It's called "Roll Me Up." <laughs> There's also a book. Yeah.
0: In case you want to read about. So whatever we will that's fully.
1: About. Yeah, we'll fully endorse that. Yes. I think you could probably get it anywhere books are sold. Yes,
0: and which is mainly online.
1: Yes. (laughs) And they might have them at the Bowman
0: Library. Do you think they would have? Yeah. Willie Nelson's played in Winchester not that long ago. Hmm. He played at Hanley because, you know, Hanley gets things like that.
1: Yeah, well, Hanley's a nice place. Mm -hmm. They have a whole newspaper just for their sports teams. They deserve it. The Hanley Star. (laughs) We're clashing with other media conglomerates in the area. If no one could tell. Yes, we're at war with all the local newspapers. We're at war with at Wind Sports Daily, <laughs> and, and they tweet out bad things. And we're at war
0: with that podcast that we saw happening at Green Turtle one time. Were you oh, with yeah. me for that? I wasn't there, but oh, I
1: heard about it. Yeah,
0: there was a po- like a Shenandoah University podcast yeah, we saw, and they looked uh, like they were not having any fun at all, even though they were in a green turtle, which is confusing.
1: That is that is odd. And this will be a very odd story that I tell before we get into... We're talking best ball today, folks. We did our first best ball draft of the season post-draft. Um, so we're going to be breaking down the top 25 and then some of the risers and fallers. Um, and then we'll talk about our own teams, and then we'll briefly go over... Some of the uh, Stanley Cup and NBA playoffs, as well as Ryan's dunk pyramid. Yes. He's been very passionate about it. This is
0: what the people need. There have been too many bad NBA pyramids on the Twitter sphere, and I will fix it.
1: Yep. So we'll do that for the people, and then we'll guaranteed get eight listens to this podcast from the other eight people in this best ball draft. Yes. Because they're going to want to know how they did.
0: They did bad.
1: So we will have at least. Probably fifteen people listen to this. <laughs> so we're up. We're up people. Um so I was gonna tell a story, yeah. Okay. So and it has nothing to do with our keyword of the day. Um it starts with a B. Bussy. <laughs> I I don't know why I find that word so entertaining. I don't know either. <laughs> it's just genetics. It's it's <laughs> like every time someone farts. Like, you know it's going to smell really bad, but you still just chuckle. Yep. Immediately.
0: Yep. It's uh, just one of those things. A kid today farted at work, and I said, did you just fart? And he said, three times. <laughs> and that was the funniest
1: answer I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> it's either like you just start laughing or you just say, like, nice. Yeah. Well, you can't be mad at that. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So my story for today, I thought about it because there was a fly in my car. And I don't know how how long he's been there, but I was wondering, you know, as a fly, you fly in one place and then you're carried to a completely different destination. What would that be like? You probably immediately are very confused by your
0: surroundings and die. (laughs) Very quickly. Like, how long do you think this transpires? I feel like... 30 to 60 seconds? Flies probably reproduce, like, as soon as they're able to. And I feel like they might have, like, a family of flies. Because, like, usually, like, if you get a fly in your house, a lot of times you'll have, like, two. And yeah. they'll be, like, in the same area. True. So maybe they're, like, a family or something. So I think that if a, the fly would look for his family and he wouldn't be able to find them, he'd probably be really
1: sad. So do you and think die. if he is all of a sudden, like, reprieved of all of his duties... If say it's a male fly, Mm. he just goes around looking for For other female flies flies. to bang. Maybe because he's just like this is a new opportunity. He's a new man. It's like uh, people like coming to America
0: from like colonial England. Yep, it's like the same thing. I could see that too.
1: He just has like a whole like weekend to Bernie's Mm -hmm. type deal.
0: Also, if you went from like the country to, like, the city, you might think you, like, time-traveled.
1: Well, I think this was a DC fly, because when I got out of my car today... (laughs) It said, (laughs) A-mo? Well, it really liked Wale. It wasn't flying around erratically when I was listening to Wale. I couldn't get him out of my car, either. So, I mean, he obviously had an agenda.
0: Yeah. I think he wants to ride back tomorrow. I think he's a commuter fly, and he, you're giving him free He's rides. sharing, so yep. I can
1: use the Hove lane. Yes, you can on, use on the Friday Hove lane when I work. Mm-hmm. Okay, as long as the
0: fly's still there.
1: I'll take the two ants that have been like in my bathroom since last podcasting season as well. <laughs> you remember that story? Yes. But the two ants, I swear I killed them both, and they just keep coming back by twos. So, but yeah, that's my little antidote for the day. A um, fly with a sexual agenda. And a fat bussy. <laughs> Very. Maybe he was looking for a fat bussy. Honestly, yep. can't blame him. Maybe he was. All right. So that's all I have to add for that. Uh, let's dive into this best ball draft, Ryan. It was with 10 people, um, standard best ball scoring, and standard lineups. You have one quarterback, two running backs, uh, three wide receivers, one flex, one tight end, and then uh, you have 18 total roster spots that you draft in. The whole shtick with best ball drafts is you draft, you don't trade, you don't set a lineup, you don't do anything after that. Um, like I said, standard scoring really. Um, I think it's actually half point PPR, but everything else is standard. Four points for a passing touchdown, six for a rushing touchdown. You guys get it. Um, so we really wanted to today focus in on the top 25, and we'll branch out a little bit to just get you know the shock value and reaction and whatnot. Um, so breaking it down in the top 25, we have 12 running backs, 10 wide receivers, three tight ends. I have detailed notes under running backs and wide receivers and under tight ends, I just put WTF (coughs) because we had three running backs taken very early in this draft. So let me go ahead and switch uh, windows real quick and just the general overview uh, looking at the top five, we had Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott, Christian McCaffrey, Melvin Gordon. I think it's pretty much collectively agreed upon that the top four this coming year, you know, barring any kind of injury, is going to be Barkley, Kamara, Elliott, and McCaffrey, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then having Gordon at five was a little bit surprising, but the running back market's a bit shaken up. Um, but since we're already talking about running backs, we'll talk about the 12 guys that got taken, uh, had 12 running backs, uh, one through seven was all running backs. First wide receiver got taken at 1.8. Um, one of the surprising running backs, um, I think, you know, after last year, Le'Veon Bell, Le'Veon Bell honestly has been a top three pick the last two, three years. So having him at seven was a bit surprising, uh, James Conner rises into the first round at 1.9. He was picked by yours truly. Um, David Johnson falls to the second round for the first time in three years. Uh, Joe Mixon at 2.3. Pretty surprising. We'll come back to that. James. Dr. Mad Dog. Frequent guest. Talking soccer.
0: Talking soccer. Liverpool one. Um, That's all you get, James. Nick
1: Chubb. <laughs> Sony Michelle. And that'll round out. So... Of all those running backs, Ryan, who's the most surprising to you, and where they went? Probably almost, Sony yeah.
0: Michelle and yeah. Joe Mixon of the running backs are the two more surprising ones. Just because uh, I know I'm terrified of New England Patriots players. Uh, I had Sony Michelle on my team last year, just because I uh, in one of my leagues because I drafted him very late. It was a complete steal, and I still couldn't figure out how to play him right. I used him at the beginning of the season, and it worked very well. And then, of course, his usage dipped off, and you can't predict how the Patriots will use anybody. So I I wouldn't have taken him that early. And then uh, Joe Mixon, just to be taken before. uh, There were so many good wide receivers and others, just great running backs uh, available at the time. I, I don't think it's a pick that won't pay off. I think Joe Mixon can produce to where he was picked by Dr. Mad Dog Reese, but uh I think it was a little bit of a stretch and a little bit in of too much belief in the Bengals offense that I wouldn't necessarily want to dip my toes that deep in.
1: Yeah, and you know the whole thing with Joe Mixon, I think you know I don't have James's team pulled up in front of me, but I'm assuming James took a wide receiver in the first round, so he felt obligated to even out his team. Yeah, James took Hopkins in the first Mm -hmm. round. So, um, Mr. Mad Dog, I'm not calling him a doctor. He hasn't (laughs) been there yet. Um, But I think that he fell victim to many draft plans where you need, you feel the need to draft based on position and not the best available player. I like to kind of play a best available player the first few rounds, but Mm -hmm. some people are like that. And um, James, I think, got put in a box because – in any other world, how is James passing on Juju Smith-Schuster? That's exactly what I'm saying. How is he like? James loves Juju. Yeah. Julio
0: Jones, Kelsey. Yeah. Kittle, I could see, I could see James taking any of those guys yeah.
1: instead. So he obviously wanted to balance his roster, which a we lot don't of people him. do. Um, so yeah, that was certainly surprising. Um, I'm just you know, it's not it's not shocking to me, but I do find it interesting that now we have quantitative data to put Todd Gurley outside the top five at running back. Um, you know, it's been like, you know, ever since last playoffs, he's had this mysterious knee injury, and now it's, you know, it's still pretty murky. They draft a running back in the third round, which they traded up to get, and they gave up picks to get, so they really wanted Henderson, um, Daryl Henderson, and um, that's just a little suspicious to me. He was about to be auto-picked and, by Billy Bob. <laughs> yeah, he's about to be on Billy Bob's team. We'll talk about how to not be a best ball participant (laughs) later. Yeah, we'll
0: talk about draft
1: etiquette. (laughs) Yes, best ball draft etiquette. That's an important episode. But, yeah, Todd Gurley going 1.6 with there being news that he will be limited. I still think in Austin's position that you probably have to take him at that point. I don't think I'd be taking Hopkins at 6. And you
0: wouldn't be taking Le'Veon Bell.
1: I wouldn't personally be taking Le'Veon Bell, but it's certainly an option and uh James Conner I don't think is is worthy of going that high either. So you kinda get put in a box. And this is something that we're gonna see with a lot of people on draft days. People are gonna get put in these positions to take Todd Gurley, so
0: it's almost like uh I feel like there's like the the tier one, which is just Saquon, tier two, which is like Kamara, Zeke, McCaffrey, yeah. Melvin Gordon, and then tier three, which is just Todd Gurley, and then Tier Four, yeah. you got Le'Veon and James Conner and uh, maybe Joe Mixon could and be in there Dana too. Johnson,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah it's going to be tough. I'm uh, I'm not upset that I'm picking number one overall this year in our redraft league because the middle and the end of the draft this year is building up to be very intriguing mm-hmm. between the elite wide receivers and running backs, and we'll segue that into talking about the wide receivers here next. Um, we had ten wide receivers taken in the top twenty five. Again, we had twelve running backs, so pretty even. Um, but we didn't have our first wide receiver taken until one point eight. Um and it was DeAndre Hopkins. Do you have any any slight against DeAndre Hopkins being the first wide out taken? Nope. I'm I'm a Hopkins fan. I think the Texans offense is uh is
0: pretty good whenever Hopkins and Watson are together and they're a pretty good combo and uh I think they hopefully will get the running game going a little bit better this year Lamar Miller was pretty much garbage last year, but maybe uh with uh Deontay Foreman can come back and uh, give them some relief, maybe if they can get some two-back action yeah. and help their offense was,
1: out more. I was surprised the Texans didn't draft a running back, but that's conversation for another yeah. time. They did invest in the offensive line, though, in the draft, which is going to be big. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Hopkins in almost every circle of fantasy right now is the number one pick. That tends to work out pretty well when everyone's on the same page with wide receivers. You don't usually see busts at that position. Um, and then we have uh Devonte Adams and Michael Thomas uh just two and three picks after Hopkins and those went they were taken at the turn yeah those were at the turn
0: and i think uh i think we're both fans of taking two wide receivers at the turn I've if, done uh it. i know we've both done it before um if there are really good ones available and i think uh there was a lot of can't lose picks right there with uh, some of the wide receivers available that you could double up on there you could have doubled up on Juju Smith and Julio Jones, who went uh, a pick or two picks oh, later, it's just like and still been really running happy. Running back
1: scarcity is the only reason that Michael Thomas is taken in the second round. Mm-hmm. In no world should an elite talent like that, exactly. regardless of his position, be taken that late. But because running back is so scarce, you know, Le'Veon Bell or James Conner or Todd Gurley, you know, if you put the positions aside and you just draft purely on points, those three guys are going in the second round. But you have to fill out running back quickly, Mm -hmm. and we'll talk about my draft strategy later on, and that's why I decided to go that route. But, yeah, Michael Thomas being in the second round is an absolute steal. It really pissed me off that he got picked right in front of me. (laughs) Um, But that's neither here nor there. Um, I won't speak ill of her in her own home. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, going down the list now, wide receivers, right after that, Juju Smith-Schuster comes in as the fourth wide receiver taken. He's one of the biggest risers since last year. Mm-hmm. Getting the uh, pretty much the keys to the kingdom with the Steelers offense. He's going to be the main guy. Um, they get Deontay Johnson, the rookie out of Toledo. Who knows if he'll be ready to go. James Washington's had struggles. Uh, brought in Moncrief. Yeah, Dante Moncrief's going to play the outside uh, so Juju can stay in the slot. Um, Juju's one of the safer picks. I don't know if he has the upside that a Julio Jones or an Odell Beckham has, but... Um, he had a lot of upside last year. He did. He, did some he, he had some huge games. Yeah, and I I think maybe last year might be the best he can be. I mean, he had 100 catches and 1,400 yards and double-digit touchdowns. That's tough to do. Um, but, like, look
0: at some of AB's best years. you think yeah. he could... Come close to matching some of those. It's very
1: true. I just think uh, if I was drafted in that that position, I'm I may have taken Julio over Juju. mm -hmm. Um, I have Juju ranked four or five at the wide receiver position, but I mean Cole was sitting in that slot, so he's a Steelers fan, Um, so he's going to draft Juju. Um, But yeah, I mean his floor is super high, which is a big deal for all these wide receivers and. That's where we come to talk about Odell Beckham Jr., because he switches over teams. Um, he's a you know, highly combustible character. What, what drove you to take him at 2.7, Ryan? Uh, I don't think I would have taken
0: him any earlier than that. I think pretty much every player uh, taken before Odell, I probably would have also taken before Odell. But when he's sitting there in your lap at the end of the second round, uh he's a pretty hard guy to turn turn up uh i don't really think like i, I saw the t- the tight end rush about to happen yeah you're right <laughs> i'm <the middle> <laughs> right him, in the middle of the tight you're end the only rush
1: sane man in the middle yeah. of the crowd here
0: so i wasn't really expecting all the tight ends to be gone and um i already had McCaffrey at the time um so i i kind of was in the uh the balance out the roster mindset as well Almost, because, uh, and the running backs left at the time, at that time in the second round were, uh, who was there? Chubb was there, Michelle was there, uh, not really guys I would, I don't think I would consider taking over Odell, so he kind of just fell in my lap, and I think he could put up big numbers. He's obviously very motivated right now with what he's been saying and putting out into the media, hopefully it's true, and, uh. I I love Baker Mayfield, so if Baker's going to be slinging that around, there could be a a decent amount of yards to go get for Odell.
1: Yeah, and I think Odell also has a really high floor. Mm -hmm. He has kind of uh, an etched-out ceiling just because he'll be with Jarvis Landry, and they have so many running backs now. But, I mean, I think that's a fine pick. I think I would take him over trying to find the next – I'd take him over Thielen. I would take him over T.Y. Hilton, so – that And, you know, we'll talk about the tight ends here in a second, but now that I'm looking at the list, the writing was really on the wall for a tight end rush, uh-huh. um, you know, with all the uh, available players. Um, so we're going to keep looking back, though. Um, so we go to Odell. A wide receiver doesn't go for another five picks until Billy Bob takes Adam Thielen at 3.2. Um, it was surprising to see Thielen here, but, again, he's playing with Kirk Cousins, who has a bad reputation. And he's going to share the wide receiving touches with Stefan Diggs and Kyle Rudolph and now possibly Irv Smith Jr. So the ball's going to be divided. The public perception of Kirk, I think, really weighs heavily on Adam Thielen's ranking here at number 22.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Kirk Cousins' uh, whole aura really dipped down a lot from last year to this year. Last year, a lot of people just like, saw the contract numbers and they saw like some Kirk Cousins stats with the Redskins and thought they looked pretty good and then uh like now that the contracts there and I think the Vikings were putting a pretty decent amount of primetime games and nationally televised games last year people wanted to watch Kirk Cousins and wanted to watch the the big contract in play and wanted to be able to tweet like oh he's made uh, this much per interception this year and stuff like that. So people – he's become a guy people really enjoy hating on, which as a Redskins fan, you have to love that we did not pay him that money and are now sitting with Dwayne Haskins. Uh, Obviously, like hindsight 2020, but we'll see.
1: And uh, (coughs) right after Thielen, we have T.Y. Hilton, and I think T.Y. Hilton at 23 is a big-time steal – I'm a big T.Y. Hilton guy. You love all the Colts. Yeah, I love all the Colts. Um, I think the offense was huge last year. It could be better even this year. Um, I love the decision by Andrew to go ahead and take T.Y. Hilton instead of reaching for a running back at that point. Um, You know, Taking Dalvin Cook, who may not play. Um, Not taking Damian Williams, who may not start as the Chiefs starting running back when camp rolls around. So I really like that pick. Um, T.Y. Hilton has a potential to have a 200-yard game almost every week. Does it happen? No. But he does have the ability to drop huge bombs if those go-routes are going. Um, A.B. at 24 by Mr. 34. Ryan Ruther football. Well, 24, 3.4. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he's almost at the end of the top 25. Keenan Allen's 25. So what? what's your <clears throat> what's your mindset here on, on this pick? Well, I... Uh... I obviously now have two wide receivers in
0: new teams, so that's uh, going to be a little tough with chemistry. Hopefully they'll get it going early. I might struggle in the first weeks, but I don't believe... This is not head-to-head. It's total scoring, right? Yeah. So I'll I'll be all right in the end. I think they'll get it together. But uh, I think AB is one of those guys that has the really high ceiling. Uh, he can get you the, the big point total games just with his speed, and I'm sure the Raiders are going to draw things up to try to throw him bombs. They wouldn't bring him there if they weren't going to use him, I don't think. Uh, And then the other wide receivers that were kind of around the time, it was uh, Keenan Allen. I was considering him as well. He was a guy who everybody was really high on last year and kind of never came to the full fruition that we were hoping for. And then um, I was also considering at this spot a little bit of Mike Evans. Uh, He's in a new system with Bruce Arians and – Bruce Arians, wide receivers like Larry Fitzgerald was there he had a lot of success late in yep. his career I'm also
1: very high on Mike Evans so, this year yeah. I think he's had a couple bad years now you're going to get him for a great price tag mm-hmm. the last couple years he's been going at the end of the first round and you you can't take that kind of volatility from a player like that yeah. but third round, fourth round pick, I'm all in for that I'm very in for that uh, alright, let's talk tight ends because Keenan Allen was at 25, I think that's right where he should be. Mm-hmm. Um, tight ends. So Ryan was smushed in the middle of an early tight end wave that not a lot of people saw coming. Um, we were all pretty much thrown back. But now that I've been looking at this, this timeline basically for the past hour and a half, if you break it down and you just look and you pr- try to think like these people. So the first uh, tight end goes to Brad, one of my old roommates, Uh, He takes Travis Kelsey. He doesn't take Odell because Odell is a Brown, and he's a Steelers fan. (laughs) Um, And when you look after that, Chubb, Michelle, uh, Thielen, Hilton, Brown, none of those names are sounding sexy for the number 16 overall pick. This is his second pick. Mm. None of those names he's thinking is going to be any good, and I agree. I think if you take Chubb at the sixteenth overall pick, that's not gonna it's not gonna get back to the value you take him at. So what does he do? He drafts the undisputed best tight end in the league. Fantasy wise anyways. Mm-hmm. So he takes him, okay. You take Odell because you're a rational person and you're not drafting, you know and reacting to the draft. Next up goes George Kittle by Andrew. Andrew, who took a wide receiver later, which actually rebounded with this, Andrew ends up taking Zeke Elliott at number three overall. So he has his stud running back. So what does he do in the second round? He takes a stud tight end, and he really likes WWE, so he loves Stone Cold Kittle. Oh, God. (laughs) And then with Zach Ertz, this is just Billy Bob being Billy Bob. But just noticing that the first tier of wide receivers were gone at this point. I would put Odell on the fringe, so you picked him. The first like three tiers that we already went over of running backs were gone at this point. So this is a no-man's land. And it'll be interesting to see as we continue with these best ball drafts and we do our redraft leagues in August, what happens in the 15-25 to 25 range. You know, and I think depending on league, I think in our redraft league we don't see three tight ends get taken in August when we go to Bobby's house. Mm-hmm. Bobby,
0: love you, Bobby. Bobby,
1: um, but I think that'll be a really intriguing. This is this is one draft where I don't think things are going to go according to plan in the top twenty-five. Usually, like I know our drafts don't go according to plan, like overall but we're usually pretty tight to ADP's in the top like 50. Mm. But this year, there's a lot there's a lot going on. This was a crazy year in free agency as well, so that's indicative of that. I think we also saw a lot of uh
0: people being afraid of of new draft picks yeah. and that that affecting the picks a lot and that's probably having to do with uh how recent the draft is to now. I'm sure when we get later in the year and we are more settled into well, yeah, training yeah. camps and like, stuff. Like with Cohen,
1: he goes at 4.6, and we talked about this. But them bringing in Mike Davis from Seattle and them drafting David Montgomery. By the time August 26 rolls around, we're going to have gonna a care. better idea. I feel like we're not going to care that much about Mike Davis.
0: Yeah. And we'll have it'll a be better current, idea of how David Montgomery but, and yeah, yeah We'll have a better idea of how important Montgomery will be in the offense, exactly. too.
1: So, yeah, that's a good point. We'll have a whole preseason. So, yeah, a lot of this is reactive to the draft, which is kind of why I wanted to do it. Um, but, yeah, so that, that's our top 25 analysis. Next week we're going to take a look at 25 through 50. We're just going to talk a little bit of risers and fallers real quick and stuff we noticed. Um, Ryan already mentioned Joe Mixon. I already kind of touched on George Kittle, but George Kittle going from you know being an Iowa tight end that not a lot of people knew about, um to being taken in the second round is Wowzers. Um and then I have James Connor moving from a handcuff last year to being the ninth overall pick in this year's draft. And I took him at nine and I felt very comfortable taking him in that position. I didn't think you know twice about it. I had Adams and Thomas after him. I felt comfortable going with Connor at that position. Um and then Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb being a guy who everybody was hugely down on after the draft last year. Had a great year in Cleveland. Um, things are a little murkier now there with Kareem Hunt and Duke Johnson, but I think Nick Chubb still probably gets the most work. He went at 20 overall, so we'll see if he can keep that up. I think that makes him running back number nine, so if he rushes over 1,000 yards, he'll, uh, he'll give back his value. Um, Ryan, do you have any other risers we didn't mention? Um,
0: I thought uh, Amari Cooper kind of rose uh, a bit in the draft. Tyler picked him at 4'10". Um, I think the Cowboys' offense was pretty inept, but Amari Cooper was very good at the uh, end of last year after their trade. So I was kind of uh, surprised to see him go there. Ahead of like A.J. Green Has been a much bigger name In wide receiver land Lately
1: Another victim of Recency bias Really yep.
0: Being injured all the time Yep And then uh, like Edelman He's been very consistent Tyler of course uh, Wouldn't let him Fall out of his grasp Tyler
1: breaks Every rule of fantasy Every year And he wonders Why he doesn't win Yep He always not Patriots. supposed to Draft a team Full of your favorite players It he doesn't work out Drafts all Patriots it Never works out Because he thinks He knows better like, he drafted Michelle, obviously, and he thinks he knows Michelle is going to get all the carries. Like, uh, he has any idea? No. He, they drafted Damian Harris. Damian Harris is probably going to end up being the name we talk about the most in this season. I would And he's going to go undrafted. And
0: uh, Bill probably trades Sony Michelle for, like, a second and third round yeah. draft
1: pick or something. And then, like, Michelle never plays again. Yep. It'll be I some dumb be shit like that. I mean, Edelman is a fine pick at 51 overall. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Um, now that I'm back here looking at it, Tyler Lockett being 56 overall is huge. Yeah. That's big Doug Baldwin waves. Um, but, yeah, those those are both solid. Um, some fallers I had, uh, I'm Todd Gurley, I already talked about him, but him falling outside the top five after being a number one consensus pick last year being the number one back in all fantasy last year. Um, Antonio Brown falls outside the top ten for the first time in like six years. Um, So you're getting big-time value with him. And then I thought Odell fell pretty far as well. Yeah, I uh,
0: had a couple fallers as well. Uh, We already talked about Tariq Cohen. I was really surprised how late he went. Um, I took Sweet Baby Cooper Cup in the fifth round. Uh, I thought he was a steal. That late, whenever he was with the Rams, he was their obvious number one receiver and put up a ton of yards, uh, and touchdowns as well. He was in the he could get in the end zone. Uh, Very useful guy to have on your team and rack up some PPR points. So I was surprised to be able to grab him. Uh, Corey Davis fell a long ways uh, compared to where a lot of people were really high on him going into last season, and a lot of people held out all season hoping he would figure it out, and he never really did. Um, and, of course, the Titans drafting A.J. Brown uh, will really hurt his touches as well because they I feel like the Titans never throw to their wide receivers.
1: Yeah.
0: And Rodney's
1: then... Marcus Mariota's regressing.
0: Yes, he is. And then uh, all the way in the 16th round, the best pick of the draft by me, <laughs> Big Dick Nick Foles. Nice. Could potentially be a top 12 fantasy quarterback this year. Why not? He's been electric for the Eagles in the playoffs. Will now get a a genuine starting job and not have to deal with all the drama the Eagles have been throwing around him. He's got D.D. Westbrook and a reliable Leonard Fournette backing him up. The Jaguars have been beefing up that O-line for a while. I think that uh, Big Dick Nick could do some work. MVP. MVP. Of the league and of fantasy football.
1: And of my bussy. <laughs> All right. MVB. Yeah, MVB. Most valuable bussy. The bussy man is coming to town, Jacksonville. <laughs> All right, so we talked about the top 25. We're going to both talk about how we went about our drafts, just to get a little inside our heads. And then we're going to move on to the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. But for me... Um, I really just ended up with this draft going with the flow and taking what was there mm-hmm. as far as availability. Um, just cause this was my first draft of the year. I won't build a single team like this for the rest of the season probably, but, uh, I ended up getting the nine slot, which took me right into my sweet boy, James Connor. Um, love that pick already. Um, And then I proceeded to take three more running backs after that. I didn't take my first wide receiver until round five, um, and that was the night of Zach's graduation. So I drank a bunch of tequila, and I woke up, and I had Sammy Watkins. (laughs) Um, I think drunk me was trying to convince, like, my brain that Sammy Watkins was going to be the number one receiver, and right now he is, technically. Technically. uh, In uh, Kansas City, so... I mean, that could turn out to be really good. He could be injured all year. That could be terrible. Uh, Projected-wise, I took him as my first wide receiver. He has the fifth projected points out of my seventh <laughs> <laughs> So, obviously, this is, you know, a very unconventional draft for me. Um, so, yeah, I took Watkins at five. But those four running backs I, all, I feel very good about. I took Connor. I got David Johnson at a discount at 2.2. We'll talk about him in a second with my later part. Took Marlon Mack at 3.9. I love the Colts. Uh, on Johnson, I think, fell pretty far because people kind of forgot about him after he got hurt last year. The Lions want to run the ball. Uh, 4.2. Rochelle, the Lions are good. The Lions. The Lions and, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I took Watkins in the fifth round, went with Kenny Galladay. The Lions. The Lions. I'm getting a pay raise. Um, And then at seven, I took my tight end. I took Jared Cook. I have always liked Jared Cook, and now he is a New Orleans Saint, which I very much like. We'll see if the fit works. Um, And then I took a lot of different wide receivers. Um, I waited until the 12th round to take a quarterback. I landed on Carson Wentz. I thought that was pretty good value in the 12th round as, like, the 15th quarterback taken. Uh, And then I landed on Jimmy Garoppolo, Mr. Jimmy Grapes. Nice. in the 15th round. If he stays healthy, he could be very good. Um, So that's what my team looks like right now. I only have one tight end, so I'm going to have to take two tight ends (laughs) with my last two picks. Um, Let's see. Uh, Yeah, that's all all I had down for my notes. Um, All I wrote is, it's going to take a village at wide receiver this season. Um, (laughs) My two favorite picks of the draft, um, David Johnson at 2.2 I love. Because he could potentially be a top five running back with a new oh, offense. Definitely. And then I really liked getting Traquan Smith in the 14th round. He could be the number two in New Orleans.
0: Traquan Smith put up big numbers late for the Saints yeah. last year. Those
1: are definitely my two favorites. Yeah,
0: I uh, I got pretty lucky with getting the fourth overall pick, so I was able to get one of those uh, the top yep. tier running backs, uh, have second think a tier lot about running that. backs. Yeah, the Christian McCaffrey was kind of a Uh, no-brainer. I really wanted him. Anyway, I probably would have picked him at two or three, uh, to be honest. And then uh, we already talked about the Odell and Antonio Brown picks falling into my lap. Uh, Then I took my second running back in the fourth round, uh, Green Bay's Aaron Jones. Uh, I thought that was a pretty decent pick. I think the Packers uh, used him well last year whenever he was healthy. Uh, And I also took... Another running back, not uh, after that in Lamar Miller in, uh pick 6.7. I think that could be a really good pick if Lamar Miller can get his shit together. He uh, obviously has not lately, but I think the Texans offense can be pretty dynamic. But I was lucky enough to be able to get a handcuff on uh, the Houston running back game where I got Foreman uh, in the 12th round. Uh, rounding out my receiver core, I know I've already touched on a lot of them. One player I'm really excited that I was able to get in the seventh round was Tyler Boyd. He put up big numbers last year. AJ Green has had a little injury trouble. Uh, I know I already bashed the Bengals offense once, but, uh, I think that he could be a, uh, one of the few viable fantasy options over there. Um, and then I took, uh, Tyrell Williams going over from the chargers to Oakland. Uh, could be a really low ceiling, really or I mean really high ceiling, really low floor pick. Uh kind of will go with however the Raiders offense goes, but is probably the number two wide receiver there right now, uh, with A B. And uh then I also took former Washington Redskin, Jameson Crowder, uh, in New York, uh, in the fifteenth round. I thought he could be a guy that could get the ball a lot. Um, the Redskins have been terrible at developing wide receivers over the last few years so I think it's fair to say that no one really knows what you can get out of Jameson Crowder because he probably has not gotten very good coaching just like Josh Doxon yeah. so um I think Crowder could do really well and he's going up against guys uh like there's Robbie Anderson still there Quincy and Unwa, Yep. uh to yeah they're, both there. yeah they're both still there so they're not uh like gods, and they're not set in the, to get a million touches a game. So I think Crowder, Crowder could
1: get them from him. Crowder slots in at the three. I mean, mm-hmm. it'll probably work out of the slot. Robbie Anderson's an outside guy. Yep. Uh, Noon was played pretty much everywhere for them, but yeah, I mean, and then that uh, that's some upside. Yeah, uh, tight ends.
0: I have OJ Howard and TJ Hawkinson. I only take players where their first names are initials and their last name starts with H's pretty good rule. tight It's a really good rule. It works very well for me. I think, uh, but I got OJ Howard in the eighth and Hawkinson in the 10th. I think Hawkinson could easily be a top 10 tight end this year. Uh, I think he's really, really talented and is going to get the ball a lot more than people think, uh, everybody saw Matt Patricia was with the Patriots and the Patriots had Gronkowski. He's not going to get the ball that much and he's not that dynamic of an athlete, but I think, uh, Patricia's definitely got influence over the years, seeing how much the Patriots use their tight ends and is definitely going to want to feed Hawkinson the ball. And then my three headed monster at QB, I have Phillip rivers, Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles. I think all three of those guys will be pretty consistent for me and will be able to put up a, a good amount of points week in week out and a uh, good old best ball draft. I think I'm settled in at QB. I don't know what I'll take with my last couple of picks. Yeah,
1: might grab ask, a, what, are you, what are you looking
0: at? Might grab another tight end. I was kind of thinking about Jordan Reed because uh, I, I will always believe in him. Uh, cause he, I was he,
1: really surprised you didn't take him the last pick you took. Because I saw he was toward the top of the board and I yeah. was like, I'm thinking about taking him because I only have one tight end.
0: Yeah, uh, I really like Jordan Reed. Uh He's a guy where when he's at his best and he's not injured, he is one of the best athletes in the league. And
1: we all have those players that we just don't give up on until mm-hmm. they're out of the league. Yep. We all have the, those guys. And
0: that's going to be him for me. Uh, also, kind of, I know you hate new uh, faces in new places, but I like uh, them every once in a while. And I think John Brown and Buffalo could be a good matchup, especially if Josh Allen comes to fruition. Uh, Brown could be a good deep threat. Allen likes to throw it deep. So... Who knows? Yeah,
1: and one final thing about the best ball draft. I just came upon it, but Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson being drafted within 10 picks, pretty interesting. Um, Austin Hooper sandwiched in between them. So uh, people are pretty high on these rookie rookie tight ends, and they went very early. So we'll see what happens. Okay, so that wraps up best ball. We'll talk about it more next week. And, of course, sometime in June or July we'll be doing best ball again because we are degenerates. And we need to draft, and we need to bet and gamble. <laughs> Alright, so with the Stanley Cup playoffs, we'll do this briefly. Um, with the NBA, I've only watched the Rockets Warriors series for the most part, because it's on later at night. Um, pretty happy that series is tied up 2-2. Too, too. That's really all I have to add to that. I won't pretend to talk basketball. Um, but with hockey... Um, we're going to be having a very interesting conference finals here coming up, actually the last game before that game seven between Colorado and San Jose and um, that's at nine o'clock. The winner of that's going to be playing the blues, the blues, the first team in NHL history to have been in last place in their division after new year's and then win two playoff series.
0: That's crazy that that's a stat because New Year's is when the season starts.
1: Well, that's why it's there.
0: Yep. That's why it's
1: there. <laughs> first time to be in last place at the start of the season.
0: Well, we're um, all in last place and first place when the season starts, technically, mm-hmm. at 0-0. and zero.
1: Good point. Maybe they lost a game then. Maybe they played December 31st. Maybe. They but- did like a... Baseball has those, the
0: first game of the year. is yeah, like, like Japan. a few days yeah. before the actual opening day. The
1: Blues went to Japan. And it, wasn't good <laughs> it was not good. It, it, wasn't good. it was good. <laughs> they uh, they got Um So, yeah. So, the Blues are a huge story. They've been the hottest team since January 1st. Another one of the hottest teams is the Avalanche. They play the Sharks. That's a tough game to predict. Um, Kale. I mean, I'm rooting for the Avalanche. I mean, like, at this point, I'm just rooting for all Game 7s and all Madness, and I'm not rooting for the Bruins. That's pretty much where I stand with it. And over on the Eastern Conference side, it'll be the Bruins and the Hurricanes. Hopefully the Hurricanes are still hot when they come and play the Bruins because we can't have Boston win another title this year. No. Can't happen. That's the Stanley Cup playoffs. I promise for all the hockey fans, if you're listening, we will have more hockey that's more in-depth than this, <laughs> or just running low on time. Um, NBA, 2-2 for the Warriors Rockets. It's 2-2 for Denver and Portland, right? I think so. And then in the East, it's 3-1 Milwaukee on Boston. And then it's 2-2 for Philly and Toronto. Right? Mm. I think that's right. I know the Bucs are up 3-1 because Cole won't shut the hell up about <laughs> it. I kind of want the Bucks to lose, and I really didn't care about them before. I'm starting to realize that I really enjoy watching my friends' teams lose. Yeah. I've learned that over time. I've been rooting
0: against you guys for years. Yeah. Like,
1: like it it has nothing to do with the team you like. I'm rooting against you as a person. Yeah, it's personal. Yeah. It's very personal. It's just like, well, if we're not going to win this year, then everyone else has to lose. Everyone has to lose. All right. At least we're on the same page. All right. So, for the Gritty Finish today, we have a very special pyramid discussion, and we have an either-or... Some of the best rap albums of this decade. It's not a pyramid scheme. It's
0: an inverted. Are you selling? Triangle. Are you
1: selling Invigoron berries? I'm
0: trying to sell. Muscle milk. Muscle milk. No, I'm just kidding. That's our new sponsor.
1: Fight milk. <laughs> That's what I meant. Protein. Fight milk. You not muscle sell some,
0: milk. Some 100%. Muscle milk is a real thing. Yes, it's it like is. a workout product. <laughs> that we could be
1: sued for. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we need the power of a crow.
0: Protein. <laughs> so the crow sponsored dunk pyramid, nice. which I'm sure a lot of you guys saw, and roll uh, me up the biography of William. <laughs> a lot of you saw the viral tweet from some stupid NBA Twitter account. Which, some ignorant slut. <laughs> yeah, NBA Twitter accounts that have hundreds of thousands of followers and just post insane comparisons all the time.
1: Everything is only about
0: shock value yes, these and days. Yes, they shocked... Me, I think they might have got me at a vulnerable state. I think it was during my morning poop. I get up, ve- I get up very you early. You were attacked.
1: In your most I was attacked
0: position. during my morning poop, and I was like, "I will if you do not give me peace now, I will never give you peace." <laughs> so, I took the dunk pyramid. There were quite a few faces on there that I just did not recognize at all. Threw them in the trash, and I started over. So, I will start. At tier one and work down, because that's what the people need to hear first. I will give first. you a
1: thumbs up or thumbs down. Per That'll tier. Be my reaction.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, tier one, I have uh, Dr. J, Vince Carter, and Dominique Wilkins. I think all three, I get, I'm getting a thumbs up, all three were uh, dunk contest participants and were able to win dunk contests and just great in-game dunkers. They have memorable dunks just off the top of your head that you can think of. Like yeah. you, don't, you don't need to look up a top 10 highlight video to know they're great dunkers. Lil
1: Bow Wow didn't make that song, We're Playing Basketball, for no reason. He didn't. Vince Carter stuck his arm in the mother effing room. He did. Then No one can, stop, can take that away from him.
0: So, I have those guys are the most elite dunkers in the history of the game. Next level on tier two, I have more elite players. Sean Kemp. MJ and Clyde Drexler, all great finishers at the rim. Kemp, way more vicious than Clyde, maybe one of the more finesse dunkers on the list. And MJ, of course, very explosive. uh, And uh, he was, like, not that tall compared to Kemp, so their explosiveness uh, MJ's looked a little cooler. He had a lot of cool dunks. I'll give him that. And I get a thumbs down from Josh. And I'm going to say because MJ should not be on the list, right? No,
1: if you're going to have one (laughs) Clyde, you got to have multiple Clydesdales on the list. What other Clydesdale should I have? The Budweiser one.
0: Okay. That's on me. That's on me. Um, In Tier 3, I have a lot of guys who are dunk contest guys. Not necessarily the best in-game dunkers, but of course Jason Richardson I'll start off with Tier 3. He's just one of my favorite players in the history of the NBA. Uh, Nobody really knows he existed because he played on the Warriors before Steph Curry, um, which that was a team. They were real. Jason Richardson played for them. Gilbert Arenas played for them. They were real. Uh, Another guy I have on this uh, Tier 3 is Blake Griffin, just stud. Everybody remembers him dunking over the Kia. Uh, And then I got my little guys, Spud Webb and Nate Robinson, you can't have a dunk list without them. Uh, Nate Robinson is awesome. There's Players' Tribune videos right now, Josh. You need to check them out. They're uh, basically like MTV Cribs, but with Nate Robinson hosting them. And he goes to like, NBA players' houses and like Tony Hawk's house. and It's really sweet. So check that out on Players' Tribune. Tier 4, I have some guys that you're like, You'll probably hear their names. You're like, how are they not
1: higher? I'm but going thumbs down for tier three also. Tier three, you got a thumbs spud, down. I thought you were going to give me some more famous spuds, like Mr. Potato Head or Ida. Or Ida. The or guy Ida. That, yeah, the guy that makes the frozen french fries. Mm-hmm. So, pretty disappointed. I with that apologize.
0: One. And then tier four is, the, is a lot of stars, a lot of very aggressive dunkers, and uh, a lot more game dunkers than, uh, like... All Star Game sure, dunkers, guys. exactly. So I have LeBron, Kobe, Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard, I could see an argument for tier three because of his dunk contest uh, abilities, but Dwight is also tall, and when you're tall, dunks don't look very cool. It's true, because you're like literally right there. It's like taco fall. Amari Stoudemire is also I have in tier four. He is a shorter post player, so his yeah. dunks did look cool for at, a, at the forward position. So. Uh, loved Mari Stoudemire or at center when he was with the Suns.
1: Kobe is in tier, tier four. Number eight, eight Kobe.
0: Yeah. Uh and then Russell Westbrook, just an angry man. Just yeah. is he, very he used angry the at float the rim. In 2K16. Oh yeah. He was, was a cheat stupid. code. <laughs> he was a cheat code. He would code.
1: literally float through the air.
0: Yep, and if you got in front of him, he would just knee you in the face. Yep. And then also on this list with the the other superstars, Tracy McGrady, and then the lone wolf out of the, all the stars, Gerald Green, needed to find his way onto this list. He's an amazing in-game dunker. Uh, he puts up highlights. Look up his list of, of like in-game top ten in-game dunks and you will not be disappointed. And then tier four, the lowest tier I have on here, uh, with, or excuse me, this is actually tier five, the lowest tier I have on here. uh, Zach Levine, DeAndre Jordan, Shaq, Daryl Dawkins, and Iguodala. I think they're all really good dunkers. Shaq and DeAndre Jordan have the tallness going against him. Levine and Iguodala, both really good long guys that can throw down some pretty sweet dunks. Iguodala has one of my favorite dunk contest dunks where he took one off the backboard on an alley-oop pass. That was really sweet. Daryl Dawkins is very hefty, so he looks like he's going to rip the backboard off, and I'm a big yeah. fan of that. That needs to happen so more. So
1: where were John Wall and Aaron Gordon in this criteria? Were I, they in the hunt? I think John Wall, I, I had
0: trouble putting him on this list because I think I'm really afraid John Wall's never going to dunk again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's not necessarily true. He'll Possibly. be able to get up but I don't think he's ever going to be very explosive again yeah. after his knee injury, and that makes me sad. Aaron Gordon, I would see an argument for him. Um, uh, like, he's almost like a Blake Griffin status yeah. dunker with his dunk contest. But he also plays for the Magic, so you don't see him dunking games that much because Zero nobody sees back, Magic games at all. Yeah. Okay, So that's kind of why I didn't have Aaron Gordon on my list. But I, I could see him and argue for him on the tiers.
1: All right. So we just solved it. We solved the Twitter problem. We fixed the NBA. Yep. So now we're going to introduce a big problem, (laughs) and that is, for some reason, people always create these picture grids about music. I think this came from Complex. Is that right? Yes. Complex has the authority to put this on me. (laughs) All right. So there are four albums. They're both revolutionary, extremely acclaimed, popular albums of the 2010 decade. Legendary artists. Legendary artists. Here we go. Number one, Good Kid Mad City. I think it was 2013. Kendrick Lamar. Um, number two, 2014, Four Souls Drive. 2014, J. Cole. Uh, 2011, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Kanye West. And number four was, it's 2010, is Take Care? Is that right? I don't remember. I don't know. But Take Care by Drake was in the four slot. Let, let's go ahead. John actually proxied his vote. He voted to remove Good Kid, Mad City. I think that's a fair choice. I think John probably
0: likes Kendrick the least of all three. I don't really... Well, he
1: are... hates Kanye, but yeah. it's hard to throw that Kanye album out, which I don't want to foreshadow anything. But <laughs> I don't. I think John's a sucker for that album because it has so many features in it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. You go ahead. Okay. I am sadly
0: gonna have to throw out, uh, Josh's favorite album of the four, probably. Yeah. And, uh, I'm gonna throw out Kanye and My Dark Twisted Fantasy. What was now- the first album that was safe on this The episode? first album that was safe was definitely Take Care. That was 100% safe. Um, I was tossing it up between <clears throat> Good Kid, Mad City and uh my dark twisted fantasy to get thrown out because one uh main reason is that my dark twisted fantasy is not necessarily my favorite kanye album and if i got rid of uh four Souls drive or uh the kendrick album they would be my two favorite albums from those artists gone right there
1: so you're thinking this is a reality. I'm
0: thinking real life. Like I will the, the never hear them again. From
1: your ears. Like if it plays, you can't hear I can't it.
0: hear it, yeah. yeah. So And I wouldn't want to do that to those albums um, because I would just pretty much not listen to those artists that much anymore. That's fair. And then I I can't get rid of Take Care. That's obviously –
1: that was never in the discussion. It was never up for debate. No. That's how, for me, my Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy and Take Care were off the table immediately. Yeah. Really. Like Take Care – I've listened to them drunk so many times, it's uh, unheard of. And then My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is my second favorite Kanye album, and Runaway is my favorite Kanye song of all Runaway time. Runaway
0: would be a really, that was like the one thing that really kept that one in there. It yeah. was like, can I really handle never hearing Runaway yeah. ever, and ever again? Rick
1: Ross's Rick uh, verse on Devil in a New Dress. Mm-hmm. That's a tough one. Uh, so I had to keep them both for that. Um, my rationale, which was kind of along the lines of yours, is I pushed out 2014 Forest Hills Drive because it's not my favorite J. Cole, uh, album. My favorite J. Cole album is Born Sinner. Mm-hmm. So, I was able to push that out. I also feel like I've heard 2014 Forest Hills Drive enough for one lifetime, and I don't really listen to it that much anymore. I, I listen to it, like, for two summers straight. Good Kid Mad City is just... You know, as much as I like like Kanye and Drake, like I, I think Good Kid, Kid, Mad City might be the best album of the last ten years, rap wise. Um, it's just back or you know front to back, it's all amazing. The skits are hilarious. Somebody ordered Domino's? <laughs> that shit cracks me up. Um, and all the songs are so good. Poetic Justice. It's a classic.
0: Oh my god, I love that song. Yeah, Money true. trees. Yeah,
1: Money Tre Money Trees is so good. It's the perfect that, place for shade. I, Money Trees was one of my favorite songs before I even knew who J-Rock was. It pretty much that's introduced true. me to J Rock. That's true. So I I had to push out the J. Cole. I'm glad John's not here for this discussion, but that's my rationale. I love it. I could live without it. So yeah, so that's our problem. Do we retweet that from the account? Uh we will. Alright. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll quote tweet it actually, get some reaction start a poll i think that would be good mm-hmm. um yeah that's it that's it that's uh that's the whole tweet that's the whole podcast that's the whole tweet goodbye bye